25. Matthew chapter 25. The title of my message today is Pursuing a Dream That's Bigger Than Yourself. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do as we talked about Indian Lake Global. Because if God's going to give us influence in Hendersonville, and He's placed us at a very strategic location, very visible location, um, and I say this uh, in humility, not in pride, but our location is the envy of many churches, maybe a, a positive envy. So I recognize that and say, Lord, what's your purpose for that? And the purpose has to be bigger than ourselves, because if the purpose isn't bigger than ourselves, then you know, we're just going to implode. That's why churches are full of uh, backbiting, arguing, just ridiculous stuff that doesn't represent Jesus. Because they're so focused on each other, they're always biting each other's heads off instead of seeing what God has in store, why they exist. And so, I just, you know, that's what I want us to do, is I want us just to have a bigger vision beyond us. And today in particular, though, we are going to talk about some practical application and uh, I don't think it's going to be a long sermon, which you guys, that should worry you, <laughs> because it's really not. It's supposed to be a short sermon, and, and uh, we, we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, Matthew chapter 25 talks about the parable of the talents, and, and what, what a misrepresented scripture, because the phrase talent, we think it's like, you know, the ability to, I don't know, uh, juggle cats or swallow fire or something like that or play an electric guitar. And I guess it could apply that way, but it's specifically talking about money. And before you all get nervous, you're like, you just spent 15 minutes on that. I'm not talking about money. So relax. There's no pledge cards like underneath your seat or anything like that. But there's some principles here that, that are going to apply to you and it's going to apply to our vision. So Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, and he's given some analogies. Jesus is a lot better storyteller than most preachers. Because Jesus, you know, he didn't go to seminary, so he actually told stories instead of like theories and all that. And by the way, just to clear up, Robbie didn't go to that seminary either. He taught at that seminary, so he's the man. He's the man. He just didn't want to be misrepresented. Um, the only reason I say that, Robbie, is because I've always wanted to go to seminary. You know, I get my... In, I uh, have my undergraduate degree uh, in religion, but I never got that next step. I had this really big reason not to go to seminary, and its name is Abby, my oldest daughter. And then my number two reason not to go was Luke. And my third reason is Lincoln. All three of those, they, they have just really messed up my academic career, but I have learned an education in a new way, and and that's a joy. My, my children, if you don't know, are... Four, six, and eight, or the oldest one will be eight next week. And they are the joy of my life. They're just a delight. So he's talking about the kingdom of God, and he's given some stories. And he says, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who's called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, and to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents and talking about money still, went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid its master's, his master's money. 
And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. In 23, here's a key verse. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. And I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share with your master's happiness. And then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting what you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Look again at verse 23. I I read the whole scripture to give us context, but this is what I want to focus on. 23, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Pursuing a dream that's bigger than yourself. You know, a phrase that you've probably heard and I've heard a lot. The phrase is this, have a dream so big that it has to be God to accomplish it. That's a a good phrase, and I understand the thought process behind it. In fact, I've applied that to my life. I said, God, increase my vision so you get the glory, so it's something way beyond myself, way bigger than what I am. So that phrase has merit and has truth. Have a dream so big that it has to be God to to accomplish that. But if that phrase is wrongly applied, it can easily turn into an excuse. My vision's so big, God's going to have to accomplish it. Because it's big, man. I mean, he has big things in my heart. Stuff that's way more beyond me. So it's up to him. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting on him. You know, there's always that tension in, between initi- initiative and waiting. And where, where's the balance? I don't know. It depends on the circumstance. It depends on the person. It depends on what's going on. But I'm starting to see and realize, you know, I've already noted that talent, it was a specific money value. But if you let me somewhat misapply this again, because I'm starting to see this, is that our visions and the dreams for our lives have great, great value. I mean, they're huge. They're huge. I mean, they're, they're birthed from God. They're, they're, they're like the children of our soul. <laughs> what our dreams are, what our visions are. And they're precious gifts, and, and, and I think they need to be held with high value. And, and if you don't believe me, then if you ever go through a time period of your life where you don't have any vision and you don't have any dreams anymore, that's a tough, tough thing. It's, it's um, not good. Because we were meant to create through the leadership of God and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when God gives you a dream, and when He gives you a vision, 
And when He places something in your heart, that's not to be taken lightly. Because we know now that that's not about us. It's about the other people, the other lives that we're going to touch. It's about the other people we're going to influence. And God has chosen you. And He's placed a call in you. And He's given you dreams. And He's given you abilities. And He's given you talents. And He's given you gifts. And He hasn't done that to boost your self-esteem or to make you feel important. He did it because the kingdom is based off relationships. And the people that you're going to connect with and the people you're going to relate to, and there's people down the road you've not met yet, and God has placed a dream and He's put a vision and He's given potential within you for them. Because God always works through relationships. See, some of you are willing to lay down your dreams and visions and lay down your potential because of personal preference. Can I tell you that in the kingdom of God, you don't really have that chance. You don't have that opportunity because God has chosen you and He's called you and He's gifted you and He's done it for His purposes. And it's bigger than yourself and it's bigger than your small scope of vision and it's bigger than your small ability to see and that small little timeline called 70 to 100 years that we live. It's bigger than that too. He has given you gifts and visions, and dreams, and it's bigger than yourself. But yet we say, well, it's bigger than me. God has to accomplish it. Can I tell you, there's a huge difference, and there's a huge gap between a dreamer and a doer. There's a huge difference between having a dream and taking a step towards that dream. And I want to just suggest a couple of things to you about how you can be like the men who took the talent and invested that money and put a return, instead of being someone who holds your little dream and buries it in the ground and buries that talent and you never have fruit to show for it. Here's the first thing I want to suggest. is Don't abandon the good things you have now for what you want in the future. Don't abandon the good things that you already have in your hand that already exist, that you can touch, that you can grasp, that you can work with because you're so focused on the future you can't see what God has before you right now and you can't see what he has before you today. See, the question we have to always look at is our motivation. What's our motivation? Why do we dream? Does our dream come from God? Does it come from his vision? Does it come to an answer to a spiritual need? Does it come for us because we have a passion for another person or or other people? Or, and here's the important question, and I think this is where our dreams get misguided. Do we dream because we don't like our reality today? We dream of something else because we don't like who we are today and what we do today. And those things that don't come from God, maybe those are things we shouldn't like. But there's some things about our life today. There's some situations about our life today. There's an environment in our life today that God has created, that God has orchestrated, that God has set up, and He has put us where we are today. He's put people around us today. He's put us in the situation we have today. And the good things in our life, He's the one who has orchestrated and created those. But when we are so focused on what we want in the future, sometimes... We don't appreciate what we have today. Now, many of you have heard my little talk, and for 
those who sign up for the newcomers meeting tonight, make sure you sign up for that so I'll know if anyone's going to join me here tonight. Um, we'll be in the journeys room. A lot of you have heard my little testimony about what God's done in my life in the last year. You've either heard it through a sermon series I did at Sumner Life or through the informational meeting I had here with the Hope Center. I touched on it a little bit last week. But essentially, I have this story that I tell, and I've shared it in public gatherings, and I've shared it in personal gatherings about how God changed the focus of my ministry from maintaining a church to changing the world. Just It was one little degree of change, but over a long time, I think it's going to make a world of difference. So I was sharing this story with a friend of mine, a, a, a young young minister younger than me, and he's, he, I was sharing the story with him, and um, I, I was given the whole spill that you've heard before, too. And I said, you know, instead of maintaining church, we'll go change the world. I said, now, the interesting thing, though, at the time, I was telling them the story on the cell phone. I was driving to the hospital. I was driving to the hospital at this time to visit a, an elderly lady who was sick. And so I told them, I said, you know, the interesting thing about all of us, I said, you know, God's called us to change the world, but what I need to do right now is I, I need to go visit this lady in the hospital. And I, I, I was bringing up the irony of the fact that sometimes we have these big dreams and visions, and it's like we need to do the everyday things still. We can't abandon the everyday things. And he said something really great. He said, you know what, though, Aaron? He said to that lady, when you visit her in the hospital... That is going to change our world. And I thought about that phrase, and it's so true. Because sitting there in that hospital bed by herself, that lady was sitting by herself all alone, needing a word of encouragement, needing a visit, needing, needing a prayer. And, and don't take this wrong, Robbie, but she wasn't really concerned about the lost in Paris or the lost in Sudan or what's going on in South America. She just wanted someone to love her. She just wanted someone to visit her. She just wanted someone to agree with her. That was her world right there in a 10 by 10 hospital room. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I think a lot of us err on the fact that when we get a big vision for our life that's bigger than ourselves, all of a sudden we get some kind of pride like we can't do normal things. It's like, you know, it's like the, uh, the young man who's the incredible musician and guitarist. It's like, great, so what? Go empty the trash, son. You know, and that's that's one thing. You know, my mom did really good with me because, uh, you know, I started preaching when I was like I was like 13 and 14. and started preaching at churches and stuff, and I was a fireball back then. You know, you know, uh, just you know, and um, you get some notoriety from that and all that. Not much, just a little bit. And and mom was always good at like staying on to me about the little things, about my attitude and about the things I did around the house and and things of those nature. Because it's true that. You know what? You can have a vision to change the world, but if you aren't aware of the world God's placed you in now, you forfeit that right. You forfeit that ability. So I'm projecting something to us as a church, and I'm, I'm asking God to give us a huge vision outside of ourselves. I'm asking God to help us see past Exit 7 and Indian Lake Village and, 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 and give us a huge vision that how we can impact, change a city, and change the world. But... Can I encourage us? Let, let's get a vision for Western Europe. And let's send teams to help Robbie. And let's plant churches in Western Europe. But let us at the same time keep a cleaning crew to clean the church and to mow the yard. Let's care about the crisis in Darfur. 
Let's get involved with the water solution issues and partner with what God wants to do in that war-torn region. But at the same time, let's keep enough people in the nursery rotation and the children's ministry. Let's take on the poverty in Sumner County. Let's truly address the social need that's ignored by the elite in our community. But at the same time, let's make sure that we have an effective VBS this June. Let's take care of the elderly and, and build structures and institutions and nursing homes because we can look at the big problem that's coming our way in elder care. But let's make sure that we call our friends who are sick today and we interact with our neighbors who are lonely on our streets today. What I'm saying is, let's not abandon the good things we have right now and the things we have today just because we have a vision for the future. We, we have to get better. We have to get more effective. We have to get better organized as a church. We need better children's ministry as a church. We need a, a more effective youth group. We need a college ministry that can crack the, the ineffectiveness that's been in this county, in this, in this North Nashville region. Our music needs to get better. Our small group needs to get more organized. Our sound needs to improve. Before you all get offended saying, Oh no, Aaron, are you hurting people's feelings? No, because the preaching needs to get a lot better. I saw that. Here's the point I'm trying to make before we get offended. Before we get offended. When we begin to get satisfied with what we have. So we've got worship taken care of. We've got the preaching taken care of. Deanna's taking care of the children. She's doing all right. Yeah, you know, David and Mike, they've got the youth in college. Everything's cool. You know, we'll, we'll let... Other people mow the yard and clean the church. You know, Beth Barnett can get that organized. We're fine. We're fine. We're okay. As soon as we have that attitude, we will lose the vision God's given us for the world. We will. Look again at what he said there in verse 23. He said this, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. We have to strengthen our strengths. We have to get better in every single area. We've got to get the best things. We can get the best we can be in every category, in every area of the church to strengthen the strength God's given us already. And I, I want to say to your personal life, it's the same too. You cannot abandon what you're doing good now just because you have a vision for something different in the future. Invest in your kids. Engage with them. Parent them. Date your wife. I'm preaching to myself now. Stay plugged into your church. The things you're doing good now, improve on them. Because if you're not faithful with that, how can you see all the things God... See, what we do is we get a vision of our future and it makes us discontent with our now. It makes us discontent with our day. But it's not either or, it's both. It's excellence out of what we do today springs forth opportunities in the future. If we aren't faithful with what God has given us, then we won't be qualified when he wants to give us something even greater or larger. Here's the second thing. A small step, a small first step is better than no step. A small first step is better than no step. Boy, time flies when you're the only one speaking, doesn't it? 
I, mean, I heard some preaching a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, it's a lot different sitting out there than standing up here. So um, I, I'm working with a group of guy, young guys, or, you know, in their 20s, 20s and 30s, and we're, we're doing something called the relational discipleship. So we just get together a couple times a month and just talk about our lives and set goals and that type of stuff. And there was a time period going through that, that it, it was getting ridiculous with some of them. Some of them that aren't with us anymore, but uh, they, they would, we would challenge them to either go find a job or apply for a school or do something, some of these things we're talking about. Two weeks later, they'd come back, and nothing would happen. It'd be like, are you kidding me? I mean, have you not made a phone call? Have you not sent an email? Have you not made a visit? I mean, there was, no, there was nothing happening in their lives. And, and so I started getting worried about myself. I'm like, okay, I started... Let me get on the other side of the table. And I want to see how hard is this. And, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, one of the dreams of my life, it's not a reality, is to go to graduate school. And uh, I obviously don't have the time now. Uh, but I said, how hard it could it be? And you know what I did? I, I called the school I was interested in. I had them email me an application. I applied. I, took, I applied for the GRE. One day when no one knew, on my day off, I went and took the GRE. I got my GRE score back. I sent it into the school. And I got a letter saying, you're accepted into our school. I had to do that because I had to know, is it that hard to get something done? Is it that hard to pursue a dream? And here's the problem is, is that we feel so overwhelmed with all we have to do to pursue this God-given dream. There, there's so many steps in front of us that we get overwhelmed and we shrink back and we don't even take the first step. It's the first step that's the hardest step. But make a phone call, send an email, get the application in. When it comes to preparing a sermon, a couple of other people I'm working with right now um, through an internship, they're getting their sermons together. And what I told them, and it's so true, that the hardest part of writing a sermon is starting. Choosing what you're going to talk about. And once you choose and make a decision, it, go, it can continue on. I mean, it just a momentum begins to build. I, I like to make a lot of phone calls. I like to call a lot of people in the church. You know, the hardest call to make is the first call. After that, I'm having fun. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Good to meet you. See you tomorrow. All that stuff. All that's fine. But the first call. Oh, I don't want to make the first call. The point I'm trying to make is this: is that God's given you this big dream and this big vision, and you don't know how you're going to get there. You're not. You're, you don't know how you're going to accomplish it. Just take one step. Take one step. I mean, it's just like me. I have this dream to, to, to I, I want to be part of a church that impacts Western Europe. How, how a church of 250 to 300 or whatever, I mean, how am I going to do that? It's overwhelming. I could take a first step. I met Robbie. I said, let's go to dinner next time you're coming through Nashville. It was a first step. You see, waiting can become a very comfortable place. Someday, when, if only. It's very, very comfortable to wait. And sometimes God makes us wait. But often, waiting is easier than risking. Vision's so big, God's going to have to do it. Can I tell you that if God has called you to do something, or simply if you want to do something under His leadership, can I give you a word from the Lord? Maybe, or at least a word from me? Then do it. Do it. 
Stop whining. Quit sulking. Quit blaming other people. Just go do Take a step. Do something this week that can cause this God-given dream to at least be initiated. Start living and quit complaining. Here's the last thing. Is this, is that why do we have to have a, a pursue, how do we pursue a dream bigger than yourself? Realize that a defined vision opens up opportunity. When you have a vision for your life, when you have a vision, I mean, and it could be a small vision. I'm mean, Like, you know, right now, Beth and I, we have this, we had this vision for our yard because it was bad. And, and we started realizing we live on a corner and a lot of Hope Center people live in our neighborhood, so and, and it's kind of a visible house. And then we went to the Mexican restaurant that we go to a couple times a month, and the waiter's sitting there talking to us, and he's always real friendly to us. And we're like, "How do you how do you know us?" And because we knew, you know, we had never seen him at the church, and he said, "I live in your neighborhood. I live in the apartments in your neighborhood. You, the white sto- the white two story house on the corner." And I knew then. I'm like, "Okay, we got to do something about the yard. All right." That pastor at Indian Lake, have you seen his yard? I could just hear it all over the place. So it starts with a vision for that. So we talked. we got to do something. So what are we going to do? Make some phone calls. Get some estimates. Go buy some stuff. I mean, does that make sense? You know, initiating that. Now, when you, when you have a vision and you can see where God's taking you, it's going to open your eyes to opportunities all around you. Without a vision, you'll never see the opportunities. It's like, it's like this, you know, something really silly illustration. If, let's say that you decided you wanted to start an ice cream shop or an ice cream serving place. Is that a parlor or what would they call that? Yeah, a place that serves ice cream. After you do, I told you it was a bad illustration, but stick with me. After you make that decision, you'll notice every place that serves ice cream I mean, every corner, everywhere you go, you'll notice who serves ice cream. Why? Because you're thinking about starting to serve ice cream. When, when you begin to get a vision, it opens your eyes to opportunities and doors. It's just like this thing with Western Europe. When God put this in my heart, I just read some statistics. I was exposed to some information. I didn't know where to go. You know what I started doing? I just started talking about it. Talking, do you know someone who's doing anything in Western Europe? No, I don't know anyone. Do you? After about five conversations, someone told me about a pastor in East Tennessee whose dad was a missionary to Ireland. I called that guy. I said, you don't know me, but God's stirring my heart about Western Europe. What can I do? He told me, I know a guy named Robbie Bradford who started a church in, in, uh, in, uh, thank you, in Holland. He's going to start one in, in Paris. I said, give me his number. I called him. Said when he come through town, it was my day off. I said I don't care. I'll meet with you. Met with him. He's here for you today. It's a first step. You see what I'm saying? Every step builds upon another step. But if you don't have a vision, you'll never see what those opportunities are. Penny, I want you to come up this time. Can we? Um, I guess that wasn't a powerful way to, to finish the sermon with the ice cream illustration. Um, just pray together. Father, thank you for these great people. And I think the Lord would just remind you today that you are a great people. You are a great people. You see, it's God who's calling forward these things in your heart.
It's God that's calling for these things in your heart, these things that burn within you, these things that, that are alive within you, that even if no man recognizes the Lord, he recognizes and he knows these things. The Lord desires to see these things come forth in you. Our God is a God that we serve. He's a God of many chances. He's a God of many opportunities. He's a God of many doorways. What man shuts, he'll open. Father, take our lives, Lord. Make it significant for you. Make it special for you. Make us unique for you. I want you to begin to ask the Lord for that. I want you to begin to ask the Lord to open your eyes to the things he has for you, not only in the future, but today. And the Lord would just remind you to strengthen those things that you have in your life, to make the things that he's already given you, the gifts he's given you, the relationships he's given you, the opportunities he's given you, to take those things and to hold them dearly, to hold them in high esteem, to not let grumbling and complaining cause you to spoil your destiny and to to spoil the provision and to keep you from seeing what he has. Let's stand together. Father, we love you. We thank you for the working of your spirit. And I want us to, just as we uh, conclude the service today, I want us to ask the Lord to put our focus solely on Him and on what He wants, what He has. I'm going to invite here, when we start singing, I want here in a second our prayer team to come. I'll call you up in a second. And we want to open this this altar area that, that if this message applies to you, someone can pray with you and agree with you that God would call forth those things in your life. Maybe the need you have in your life today doesn't necessarily pertain to this message, but you need a healing in your life. You need a breakthrough in your life. You need someone to agree with you. This is available for you. We also, if you want to, if uh, taking communion is part of your weekly worship, we're not taking it corporately, but here at the front and at the, at the back of the church, there's opportunity for you to take those and to take the elements on your own, either as an individual or with a, a, a group of friends or, or um, with, with your spouse. But uh, we're going to take the next few minutes. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit just to minister to us and, and allow him to do his work, to point our hearts towards him. I want our prayer team to come down at this time. And let's take this time. Maybe none of that stuff applies to you. Maybe you just need to spend some time to be alone with God. You know, you got a big week ahead of you. You know that. There's going to be challenges that you know of, challenges you don't know of. But God knows exactly what you're going to face this week. And why we don't want to face any time period or any situation without his leadership and his ability. Uh, the altars are open. Let's allow the Lord to minister to us as we worship him. quiet in the stillness I know that you are God in the secret of your presence I know there I am restored when you Jesus.
lives and we want to just allow him to continue his work and so I'm going to um, just I'm going to formally dismiss and hear and, and pray the benediction and, and allow those of you who need to, to go about, about your day and business to do so and uh, if you want to remain here and pray for a while or, or encourage those who are praying uh, we'll just uh, if you don't mind let's just keep that sanctuary in a, in a spiritual atmosphere and uh, move the fellowship uh, to either the, the hallway or the parking lot. And uh, this Wednesday night, we're going to have a, a prayer meeting and worship time.
for the dedicated hour. So uh, would love for you to be a part of that. We did that the Wednesday before Easter, and it was a beautiful time. And uh, so much, the Lord has so many opportunities. Um, make sure you're signing up for the 242 groups. I didn't mention that earlier, you know. I wish I could be in relationship with every one of you, and I look forward to knowing more of you. But I know this, you can be in relationship with someone in this church. And the avenue of that is uh, the 242 group. So there's a table out there. You can sign up. You can uh, meet Robbie. Uh, I think he'll be out there at your table. That, is that the case there? And um, and look for Friday night's going to be a special night. I will be here Friday night. Uh, and I'd like all the men who can be here, please make an effort to be a part of that special time together as we become all he wants to be. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your work this day. And Lord, as we uh, leave this service in a prayerful attitude, and we just ask that you would continue to do your work in us and through us. Through Christ Jesus' name we pray. No light is in you, Lord. Yes. All of my all of my strength, all my delight is in you, Lord, forevermore. So I didn't see you. How have you been? That's what I thought about what I said about the song.